This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results, Darren Ahern, and Presidential Bank Mortgages, Terry Kernick. Hey, folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern coming to you live from the top of Grove Hill here at 930 WFMD. Thanks for joining us. Terry is not sitting beside me, but he is at an undisclosed location, as always, in the bank vault, counting the money, ready to give out mortgages to all of you guys. We do want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every week and all that. So let's say hi to Terry. We're going to get him on and let him share about what is happening in the mortgage world and banking world. Terry, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you, Dan? Good. Good morning. There you are, my friend. All right, I'm going to let you, you go ahead okay? and uh, go ahead and share what's happening and uh, your thoughts on what's going on in the mortgage world. Go ahead. So today's word is volatility, and we've seen a tremendous amount of volatility. And if you're watching your stocks, you're seeing a tremendous amount of loss. And it's kind of like, what's going on? How come it's so volatile? And the the big kicker was Silicon Valley Bank, okay? Uh, That bank has uh, got into a lot of trouble, a lot of hot water. Why did it get into hot water? Is they invested so much money in long-term investments, bonds and stuff, thinking that they were safe. Well, once the interest rates started going up, then they started losing value, and then it it. It caused a run on the bank. And so that's what we saw with Silicon Valley Bank. One bank, okay. Two banks, mm, not great. Three banks, we're starting to see a trend and we're starting to see a lot of nervousness. So let's talk a little bit about how that's affecting. That's the volatility. That's where we're seeing the your stocks losing every single day, you know, just getting pounded because you've got First National Bank. So First National Bank is the um, uh, is a bank that basically is very similar to Silicon Valley. Most of its depositors are large depositors. Most of them are very wealthy people. Silicon Valley, most of the depositors were small startup tech companies, so people that couldn't afford to lose money. So that's where that run came on. So not a lot of me's and you's, Darren, that are customers of those two banks. So First National, you're starting to hear about, and what they basically went through is a lot of the large banks like Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they pitched in $30 billion into, and not First National, I'm sorry, First Republic. I I keep saying First National, but it's First Republic. So what they did was to try to stop the bleeding there, to try to stop the run on First Republic is is a lot of the other big banks hoping to, to, you know, lessen the fear. Uh, They pitched in $30.5 billion of their own deposits to help shore up the deposits for First Republic. So what has that done? Not only has First Republic lost 80% of their stock value, but now you've got Wells Fargo down like 2 or 3%, Bank of America 2 or 3%, Chase 2 or 3%, all in Friday's trading. So we're seeing a lot of instability in the banking right now. And, and the question is, well, how can that be? Interest rates are going up, right? You know, 
The problem is that a lot of these banks don't have the liquidity. Their their loans exceed their deposits, and that's where it gets very dangerous. So in order to create more loans, you have to do what? You have to borrow from the Federal Reserve, right? So you, they get the prime lending rate. So let's say they get 4.5%, and that rate, rate keeps going up and up and up. And so they have a lot of loans out there that are basically not secured by their deposits, but secured by money that they're borrowing. And as that cost of money goes up, they are now losing money. So this is going to be the focus. Now, what happened big in our mortgage market that really didn't, you know, it caused a little bit of what's going on is the consumer price index came out 0.4%, exactly where it was supposed to be. That came out on Tuesday. Consumer price index. Let's talk about that. Just a reminder to everybody. It's what we as consumers will pay for a product. It's a huge, huge determination of where inflation is going. We need that inflation under control, as we talk about every single show. And so the consumer CPI, the consumer price index, came out at 0.4%, which is good. It was exactly where they thought it would be. So that did not cause rates to go up or down. Wednesday, producer price index, the cost that the manufacturers have to produce these products. This is the number that was that basically did not go up 0.4% or 0.3 or 0.2, but it actually went down 0.1%, which is great news. Now, the core rate where we take out the fuel and we take out the food, the core rate of the PPIs went up 0.3%, which is okay. But the number that I want you to focus on is is the fuels have come down. And that's what we talked about last week in great length, is we need to get the cost of fuel down because that, as you can see with the producer price index, the cost to manufacture something is affected directly with the cost of fuel. So that is great news on the PPI. And what we saw this week is the rates recovered, but the 10-year bond and all the bonds are the safe havens of where people put their money during volatility. And basically, we've seen the 10-year drop at a historical rate from 4% down to 3.44% on the 10-year, which is kind of what we look at with the mortgage market and pricing. So with that all being said, rates have come down. By any means, they're not stable, okay, because there's so much going on, and the banking crisis is something that we have to, have to, have to take seriously. If we don't, it's going to cause, we're going to see number four come, and then number five come, and number six come, and that's where the danger comes in. All righty. Wow, a lot of good stuff. I think the question, Terry, I've been getting barraged with, as you can imagine, um, from everybody, from people, our listeners. Thank God we have a good amount of listeners that every week are interjecting thoughts and things. And you guys can call in here, obviously, at any time, 301-694-9363, or text in your question, and we do get those. Um, Terry, one of the big questions I get, of course, right now is how is this going to um, affect negatively or not? The real estate market, the sales and all that, the values, uh, mortgages, of course. The big thing is the mortgage stuff. We talked about it. I have said over and over, the number one thing that is going to get us out of this weird 
really weird gridlock right now of sellers not being willing to sell. All the homes I'm selling right now are investment properties. They're estate sales. I'm getting ready to do one in Rockville tomorrow or on Monday. Um, you know, death of a family members and divorces and, and medical issues and this and that and people moving out of the area and have other homes. A very, very few people right now are, are job changes or, or other things. Um, the good part is we don't have a lot of foreclosures and distressed properties and all that. People are wondering when's the market crash. I'm not going to do that. I just had uh, breakfast this morning, bright and early, with a client, and we were talking about some of this stuff we're talking about here. They were really concerned because they're looking to make some moves down in the future and such. And so, you know, I said, look, once the rates, this is it. Once rates, what is it going to take for rates to get down to say five, five and a half percent, or five? where sellers are going to be okay now at some margin to give up that three, three and a quarter, three and a half percent interest rate to have something a little bit higher and not as high as now that's going to be able to make up for that over time in the future with being able to gain that in equity gains, uh, appreciation gains, or also with write-offs and then also with being able to possibly refinance to something even lower down, down the road because we've always said you marry the house but you date the interest rate Always, always, always. That's the smartest way to go. So I wanted to get your thoughts on how this banking thing, how inflation, how all these factors, and if the Fed is going to possibly keep interest rates the same because of what's happening with these banks struggling right now, that they're not going to raise rates at all to see how things play out and deal with that fire in the wastebasket in the corner, if you will, right now. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, that's a great Great, great question. And, and, and what we're taking a look at, Darren, is is rates were going up, and a lot of the fear and a lot of the volatility that we had in the mortgage market was that uh, Chairman Powell and the, and the rest of the Federal Reserve, they were going to come together and they were going to raise rates by a half percent in March, okay? They are going to raise it by a half percent. Every time they raise rates, it puts a hurting on the bank's that are basically not as liquid as they should be, okay? So they definitely have to take that into consideration. You don't think, you think that everybody's going to be okay, because let's think logically. Banks are now lending money at 7%. How can you lose money at 7%? Well, if a lot of your money's tied up in things that are bringing in profits at 3%, a lot of banks have loans out there at 3%, 3.5%. Nobody's cashing in those loans. So basically what we need to do is, number one, continue the inflation, okay? Number two, if we see more run on banks, and that's a distinct possibility, and I'm not trying to scare people, but if we see another, if, if the run on banks continue, okay, there's a third bank that um, that basically was, bailed out that nobody really heard about. We know the First Republic, but the one, there's another one, and I forgot the name, but that was bailed out in between Silicon Valley and First Republic running into trouble. There's another one that the bank, that the government already stepped in. So so if we see more of that, the banks are going to have to ease pressure on the interest rate. If they don't, they're crazy, Okay. Because the banks, this will continue to happen. Now, this is nothing anybody could predict until 
the Silicon Valley thing started happening. And I read something where $54 billion in savings have been removed uh, in the last 30 days from banks. So there is a run on banks or people are starting to take more money now. So, so bottom line is the feds can't keep raising interest rates. They can't. So the volatility last week was they thought that they were going to raise rates a half. Now it's a quarter. And there's even some talk that they may not raise rates this time, that they may just say, hey, let's just wait and see. If that happens, that would be good news. But I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they're going to keep it at a quarter percent. Um, but there's going to be more and more pressure on the Fed to not raise rates if banks continue to fail. All righty, good stuff. Also, on the local home front, uh, speak about the grant money. I've had some people, um, we want to make sure everybody understands that the good news is buyer demand is really high. Applications are up. There's a lot of buyer demand, and the proof of it is also is that the inventory, we're not seeing inventory go up whatsoever because everything that is coming out for sale in the spring market, which this is the time of the year that most people make changes and adjustments with housing and all that typically, um, one of the big things with our buyers right now is there are so many great programs. There's so many new things that are coming out to give a little bit more latitude. So talk in retrospect to like grant money, credit score things. What are the, some of the things that you're seeing with the uh, buyers today that you're able to help them get loans right now? So uh, we have a, a grant that we use through the Federal Home Loan Bank of uh, Atlanta. And it's a grant. It's a true grant. And that's where the money is forgiven over a five-year period. So they came out and they basically said, what do you guys need? What's going to help? So in the past, $7,500 was the baseline grant. You could get up to $7,500 if you worked for a bank, if you were an accountant, if you were, you know, just had a had a non, you know, uh, first responder job. So $7,500 was the baseline. And then they said, we'll go up to $10,000 if you're a veteran, if you're active military, if you are a first responder, if you are in the education field, right? So we've done a loan with somebody that was a maintenance worker at Montgomery College down in Rockville. He was able to get $10,000. If you're a teacher, we were able to get somebody uh, a $10,000 grant uh, over at the temple where, you know, she was a teacher teaching cosmetology, cosmopolitan. Cosmetology. Sorry about that, Derek. And so it just, we look at every single deal. Now those numbers have gone up to 12,500. So the 7,500 baseline is now 12,500. And then the 12,500 for the first responders is now 15,000. And that's an unbelievable program for first time home buyers that basically covers a tremendous amount of their closing costs, down payment, and it can all be used for that. So that's an awesome program. And if you're a single person, you can go up to 79000 right around $80,000. So so it, it includes a tremendous amount of people. Other grants, State of Maryland, awesome, awesome, awesome programs. They have the Smart Buy. They have the Smart Buy program. Once again, the State of Maryland wants to help first-time home buyers. So they have a student loan forgiveness, okay, smart buy. 
they will do up to $50,000. We will pay off up to $50,000 of your student loan debt at the settlement table. Unbelievable program. That's forgiven over five years. You never have to pay it back. You do have to live in the house for five years. Other programs, a great program with, think about this, Darren, with the um, with the Maryland Mortgage Program for Montgomery County, they have a program that they will give you $25,000. Now, it does have to be paid back, but they will give you $25,000 for down payment and uh, down payment and closing costs. So you can basically buy a house in Montgomery County, and the interest rate is is very, very, very competitive. It's called sold on Montgomery County. So you can actually buy something in Montgomery County for less money, lower payment than you can in Frederick County. Same sales price. It's going to cost you less and have less money to get into the house if you buy in Montgomery County. So that's something to take a look at. Then you've got sold on Frederick. Great program. We're looking at, uh, I believe it's 8000 i got to check on that again, but I believe it's 8000 so we do have grant money from the city and the county. We can piggyback them. So our grant goes in the third position. The, the home loan bank goes in the third position. So we can get $15,000 for a school teacher or somebody that works at a college. We can get $15,000 there. Then we can come in and get sold on Frederick. So we can do two grants so you can put more money down to ease the the burden of mortgage insurance and to lower your payment. So there's a lot of great programs out there that um, people really don't think that they can qualify for, but actually, actually they can. All righty. Good, good stuff. All right. Thanks for sharing that. So all of our listeners out there, you need to get in touch with Terry into the program. All his information will be there as well as mine to be able to get uh, the information to talk to him about grants and things. Because, Terry, I'm still amazed how many people I meet that buy a home and they're like, I didn't know anybody about grant money. I heard about your I heard about what the And they're going crazy. And I'm like, well, well, now you need to let your family and friends know about the stuff that we deal with and know about because we are in the know. All right, Terry, let's get into some well, numbers and all that. Um Active Actives, check this out. Holy cow. Okay, everybody wants to know about a market crash. There's not going to be a market crash. We're not seeing that. Um, the inventory is historically low. Second time ever I've seen this, or third time really, about the resales and new ones and such like that. So new construction, 120. Resales, 118. Again, that is unprecedented to have more brand new builds for sale than resales. Okay, that speaks a lot of volume there. As far as that coming soon, 47. The average time on the market of resales right now average is 54 days. That is kind of leveled out right now. And the reason why I say is because the homes that are coming on the market right now, there's so much buyer demand right now that everything is either selling. Literally, the, the sellers need to pay attention to this. The best position you can be in is a little bit aggressive because you still want to get those multiple offers at all times to have the best terms and conditions. And then, you you know, and we're seeing things within one week getting multiple offers. And if you don't have something in a week or two, I promise you, you're pretty much overpriced because then you fall into that category of sellers that 
put their head in the sand and know something. My house is better than everybody else's. My price is right. My agent stinks. The dog's barking too loud. Something must be else be wrong. And what they don't want to realize is their condition and their value and the mixture of those things and how important that is to be able to have that in sync so that you don't get behind the eight ball because um, that is really bad news once you get to the average or way past it, which that average comes in. So 238 total homes on the market right now. A balanced market would be closer to about 1,200. That's not a seller's or buyer market. And, of course, once we get above 1,200 homes in the market, it's a buyer's market. Which So people act like, oh, this is a buyer's market. We can get a good deal now. No, I get investor, everybody calling me every week. And I'm like, no, not car. <laughs> We're not even close to being there. Distressed properties normally for closures and short sales would be 4% or so of our market inventory. That number is still less than 1%. The only thing that raises that is uh, primarily is just be, be, be a, lot, a lot of job loss and things, which we're not seeing. Last year at this time, we had 256 homes on the market. So really, we really have less than an 8% spread as far as the differential in all that kind of inventory like that. So pending under contract, Harry, we have 334 homes under contract right now. There's 126 new ones and 208 resales with an average price of $469,000 when the average days on market is 14. So I look at what's the average pending because that is an indicator of what is moving in real time versus what's coming out. We don't know what's going to happen with that. And also we look at sold. So the last 30 days sold 299 properties. The average time of that time was 28 days. So what that means is in the last 30 days, 28 these are resale homes, by the way, because brand new builds, I've told you, skews and messes up the data because it's not, it's like fake news. But 28 days average for resales in the last 30 days of homes sold versus 15 days average of the pending on the contracts in real time causes me to realize that, hey, wait a minute, we're actually seeing the market getting stronger. Things are selling a little faster, and that's only because of the time of the year. We're getting towards the full bloom of the spring market, if you will. The pending on the contracts is $469.9. Um, we talked about the solds, four fifty. So there's a little bit of variation of some of those price differentials from coming out of the wintertime. Year-to-date numbers are interesting. 464 homes have sold year-to-date in Frederick County with an average days of 30 days on the market. So that's pretty um, relative to the data. But, Terry, here's the big number. Sold to list price ratios I've talked about. When that number gets under like 98.4 or 97.6 or so in that range, that's when we start to see a little bit of a slippage of values as a whole. That actually has gone up, which is amazing because of the low amount of inventory and the high amount of buyer demand, even with these interest rates at around 6.5% or so or higher. We're still seeing today for the first time in many, many, many months, we got to 100% average list-to-price sell ratios. And I know a lot of the listeners out there are saying, how in the world does that happen if you've already taken out the brand-new builds because that skews that data? It's simply because uh, so many sellers are realizing what I'm saying is that you need to be really careful with where you're pricing your homes more than ever before, okay? And I do want to make mention right now with appraisals that goes into our program part, one of the little tidbits. Yesterday on one of my listings, um, I did have a little bit of an appraisal value issue. I told my sellers, you owe me cookies and lunch and all kinds of fun stuff because I got you more than the house they think is appraisal worth. But that's probably not the case. Um, 
Um, I'm waiting for some of the data to come back to double check on things of what they used. But what's interesting enough is they bought this house as sort of a flip property, put a lot of money into it and time and, and, and sweat equity and all that. They bought it before and they had a professional appraisal already done, Terry. And that appraisal came in at 496 And the house price that we have right now is at 460 So the question becomes, in six months or so, and no working on the house yet, how in the world would an appraisal right now on value of this particular home, which is all fixed up and beautiful and perfect, how would the appraisal come in at less than 460 when the appraised value previous, when it was done, was at almost $500,000? Has the market slipped that much or whatever? And the answer is no, not at all. So somebody says, how are you going to appeal that? With current data and with the old appraisal to give in and just let them do their job and go from at this point. So we have about three minutes on the program, Terry. I want to hear your thoughts about all the numbers and data and what I'm dealing with with appraisals. Are you seeing anything like this? So here's what I've seen is, uh, which is interesting, is um, and and that number, that hundred percent of list to sale price, has gone up and, and it's jumped tremendously. And I think that what I'm seeing um, and what I'm feeling is you've got listing agents. We're going into, quote, the spring market. But I've got people that just this week alone, agents were going in, in my opinion, at a lower than valued price and dropping it even lower to cause a feeding frenzy. Example, a $250,000 townhouse was very nice. It was listed at 250. Uh, I had a borrower call and say, "Hey, I want to put an offer in at 250." I looked at the numbers. The realtor that she's working with said uh, the the agent underpriced this to create a frenzy, and it's going to happen. She says, "Okay, I'll go in at 260," and the agent said, "I it's probably starting at 275." And so the young lady said, "Okay, I'll do 275." 16 offers, and she wasn't even close. We don't know, obviously, what the final sales price was, but not even close, not even a sniff of you are in the running or you can do this or take up your – so that's what I'm seeing on my end, and it happened with another situation where it was undervalued at 550000 beautiful house, and that one went up to, you know, it was like six seventy-five or 575 and they still lost it. So, so I think that there's a little bit of that going on um, that I'm starting to see, and it's not so much that people are, are, you know, adjusting the prices as they're really dropping them low to create that frenzy because there is no inventory. Exactly. So yeah, good thoughts on that. All right. As we end up the program, Terry, next week, I'm going to be getting into all the issues I'm dealing with the home insurance. We've already talked about downtown Frederick Reynolds and things, perk stuff and some other things. And I got some good news on April 1st. No fooling around. I've got our broker, Mr. Miss Sandy Olson is going to be here with us live in studio to talk about real estate from a broker owner of a Remax point of view and having all of us agents to herd all the time. So you guys don't want to miss that. So also today, real quick and tomorrow, the home show down i believe to frederick fairgrounds go down there check it out and a lot of good stuff so support that it's going to be great and we will see you guys next week on your frederick real estate update keep those questions and all the stuff you want to know about coming to us take care now have a great weekend